Hi, this is Chris Grau of Loser, and you're listening to My Weekly Mixtape with Brian Colburn. Also, this is coming to you live from a Game Boy camera. And you're thinking, why is that happening? And I'm thinking, of course it's happening. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me tonight as guest curator is Chris Grau, the brainchild behind ska punk band Loser, as well as the music director for bands such as NoFX, Real Big Fish, Goldfinger, The Bomb Pops, Suburban Legends, and former My Weekly Mixtape guests Scott Kloppenstein and Frank Turner. Chris, thank you so much for joining me on the episode, man. Yeah, good to be here. I uh, I love the way that you put this together. I think it's a really rad idea for a show. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you here doing it with me. So the first question I want to ask, Chris, what does the word mixtape mean to you? Okay, so I played with cassettes as a kid. My first music purchase was on cassette. For the record, the single version of Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise with the instrumental on the flip side. Very nice. Um, I had that. But yeah, I was not old enough to actually like do the like record a mixtape for like going between the two decks thing. By the time I was doing it, it was burning CDs. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, my spending money in high school, particularly before I was like 14 and could have like a real job, came from the lunch lady would give me a list of albums that she wanted. And I would go pirate them and burn CDs of them. (laughs) Like back in the day when you had to like, I would like look up what's the track list and I would like find each individual song. You couldn't find like a whole song like mixed down. That was like not going to be a thing at all. And so I had to like track down every song, make sure they were like relatively real or correct. Um, (laughs) And then burn a CD and try to get them in order. And she'd pay me like five bucks a CD because they were like 15 or 20 at the time. So, wow. And this was going yeah. back to the time now, if I remember correctly, the bare naked ladies had thrown some stuff on Napster back when Napster was the place to go. And they took their song Pinch Me, which was a growing hit at the time, and they threw it up on Napster. But instead of it being the entire song, it kept cutting out several times throughout the song and it would just be two of the guys from the band talking and the first time they cut in they go well you actually think you're downloading pinch me but instead you're downloading a commercial for our brand new album maroon and it is absolutely hysterical it's one of the few moments of levity from that entire napster situation it's one that i'll never forget that's awesome i never ended up with any of those files i mean to be fair on these lunch lady cds that i put together it's entirely possible i got some of those and she just never told me because yeah i'd basically just check is it the real song and i'd listen a little bit and like sometimes i got fooled sometimes i know it would be like just the chorus looping over and over again but it was the best i could find yeah (laughs) not incriminating yourself at all tonight (laughs) look man it was it was the 2000s it was a wild time (laughs) i guess we're gonna have to save this for our future songs of napster episode but tonight we have something completely different on tap 
we're talking about another topic that is very near and dear to each and every fan of the Viewisk universe, and that would be songs from Kevin Smith movies. Yes. I've always been a big Kevin Smith fan going way back. Clerks was, I mean, I think Mallrats was actually the first movie that I saw, but Clerks was the movie that made me feel like, oh, I could make movies. Like, why not? Yeah, and and he's always done such a good job of like finding bigger and more famous songs as well, but also lots of small and independent artists and just putting together like really great kind of mixtapes in his movies. Most certainly. And I think tonight's topic is also pretty near and dear to you as your song No Hope, which is the track I talked about with Scott Kloppenstein on the Ultimate Scott Punk episode is a track that's featured on the Clerks 3 soundtrack. That is correct. Yeah, it's in there. So I'm I'm part of that mixtape now. So outside of No Hope, because I have a suspicion, funny feeling, we might dive deeper into that song at some point tonight. So weird. What were you looking for in the songs that you were bringing to the conversation this evening? So there's a combination of things. I, I kind of, as I was going through movie to movie, it got points for being the song that I think about when I think about that movie or just songs that I really like that happen to be in the movies. That was kind of the the rubric that I was using. And that's the thing is it's hard to play by just songs that I like because there's so much good stuff in those movies. Um, and even if you just look at the soundtrack listing, just looking at the titles, you're like, oh, that's a great song. That's a great song. But yeah, I tried where I could to focus on the ones where I'm like, that is the scene that I think about. I think about that song. All right. And to bounce off that, what I tried to do was find songs that were actually featured on the movie's official soundtracks as well, because using Clerks 3, for an example, an immediate thought that came to my mind was Welcome to the Black Parade from My Chemical Romance, but that's not right. actually on the official soundtrack album. So that was one where I'm like, oh, interesting. Maybe I'll keep that in my back pocket, but I tried to go with ones that were featured on the actually released soundtracks to really, I don't know, make it more difficult on myself. Unless, of course, that movie didn't release an official soundtrack on CD or cassette or vinyl, then all bets are off. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get down to business. Tonight, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Chris and I will be curating a Songs from Kevin Smith Movies mixtape, and we'll use that old cassette deck approach. Chris, as my special guest, will begin side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up that choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip and we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick things off with Chris choosing second. Our overall goal for this episode is to craft the best songs from Kevin Smith movies mixtape possible through only 20 songs. At the end of the show, you can take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com to give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. And if you like what you're hearing on My Weekly Mixtape, you can help me out by either telling a friend about the show, leaving the show a five-star review wherever you're tuning in, or by becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. And a few of our Patreon members chimed in with what they feel would best kick off a Songs from Kevin Smith Movies mixtape, and I want to give a few shout-outs. 
Cactus Pete chimed in with Jungle Love by Morris Day and the Time from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. David Owens chimed in with Kick Some Ass by Stroke Nine from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Mally Hart chimed in with Web in Front by Archers of Loaf from Mall Rats. Sean Faust chimed in with Suzanne by Weezer from Mall Rats. And Jason Donches chimed in with Can't Even Tell by Soul Asylum from Clerks. So, Chris, with that out in the atmosphere, I'm officially pressing the record button on our mixtape and the floor is yours. Why don't you dive into the song you chose to kick off side A? Okay, so first of all, I'd like to say none of those songs are on my list. All really? good. All good, but not a single one was one that I wrote down. So good choices, but also glad that they're different choices. So I think the first one I'm going to put on there, like I said, Mallrats was the first Kevin Smith movie that I saw. And I believe it's the opening track or very near the opening track by Squirt Gun is Social. Uh, first of all, Great song, good open, gives a good vibe to my introduction to the Viewisk universe. But also, I used to be in a band with Matt Leonard, who was in Squirt Gun. So that song, we were both in a, a band called The Maxis. He still does it. I, I don't anymore. But yeah, so I, I thought it was really funny that, you know, his band has a song in a Kevin Smith movie. And then now I do as well. So I thought. Kick that one off with a buddy, somebody that I've worked with, and uh, yeah. And it's an awesome song, too. Let's not forget that part about it. It's a great way to kick off Mall Rats. It has that energy. Mall Rats as a soundtrack has a very punk-esque vibe to it. It does. Where some of the other soundtracks do have that indie punk sound, but they veer off in other directions. And I think for moments of levity in some of the movies, that's okay, but Mall Rats... I think is the one that most needs the nonstop punk flair. And for the most part, I think delivers on that. So I love the pick and to follow it up. I'm going to jump ahead a few years. Okay. And you chose not to go with any songs that the Patreon mixtapers did, but I happen to be lockstep with one of those picks alongside of David Owens. I am kicking things off with the simple question. How many people want to kick some ass from Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. This song is absolutely amazing. It has that punk energy. It also has a little bit of a 2000s rock vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Because this band did have punk tendencies, but they were more along the lines of an alternative rock band. If you listen to songs of theirs like Vacuum Bag, which is from the same album as Kick Some Ass. It definitely has a pop, almost an all-American reject style where it's got a little bit of a punk vibe, but it also incorporates elements of pop and rock. Now, Kick Some Ass, believe it or not, isn't Stroke Nine's biggest hit. That would go to Little Black Backpack. But I'm honestly shocked that between those two amazing tracks, Stroke Nine wasn't a lot bigger because this song really does kick some ass. Yeah, what happened? That that was a really good band, and that Little Black Backpack song was so ubiquitous, they must have really pissed somebody off to have disappeared <laughs> the way they did. Uh, it's the only thing I can think. To be honest, I'm still shocked about it to this day. Okay, so I think I will stay in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and my temptation 
Because I think my actual favorite song in that movie is Jay's little rap, the put that shit in my hand. 100%. I I don't think that really counts. I don't think it quite fits. So I'm going to go with what to me is the most iconic placement in that movie, which is Afro Man because I got high. Of course. That song, if I recall, and I could be wrong about this, but I think the placement in the movie was done... First, I think that Afro Man, I could be getting the story completely wrong, but I think that that song had not broken and it got the placement in the movie and it may have between like when it got put in the movie and before the movie coming out, I think that it blew up or maybe it was after it was in the movie. But like, I'm pretty sure that there's like an Afro Man, Kevin Smith. It's like, oh my gosh, like I owe Kevin Smith for that song getting the attention that it is, I, I'm pretty sure. And then, of course, also Afroman's recent resurgence into the pop culture with the song slash music video about the cops and breaking into his house. And what did they take? It was like his cookies or something. <laughs> I can't remember. But it was, it was good to see that he's still out there doing stuff. That song, you couldn't escape it in 2000. Yeah. I mean, rock stations were playing it. Pop stations were playing everywhere. The crossover appeal of that song was amazing. And I know Howard Stern played a big role in that song's popularity, as well as Jay and Silent Bob timing. I'm not 100% sure of, but regardless, that song was everywhere. And then obviously for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, it is a perfect song for those two characters and that movie as a whole. So good. So following that up, I'm actually going to go into a completely different direction. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. And I'm going to go with a song from Clerks. Yeah. Now, this song was originally recorded in 1992 for the band's EP, Sap. And while I loved that song, this band released the Sap EP with zero promotion or fanfare because they just wanted to see how it would sell if they didn't make a big deal about it. And I'm first off shocked the label allowed this, but I digress because two years later, Alice in Chains' Got Me Wrong became one of the signature songs in Clerks, and it blew up on radio when the movie was out, which made the label look back and realize the mistake they made, re-released the song as a single, and then re-released Sap in 1995. So when Kevin Smith pulled this song for the Clerks soundtrack... He knew he was onto something because he was taking an amazing song by a band that had already made waves with Man in the Box. And then before Clerks came out, Alice in Chains also had Dirt, which was a massive smash. However, Sap kind of fell beneath the cracks in between the two albums. And Kevin Smith was kind of giving people a gentle reminder of this amazing song. So following it up, Alice in Chains got me wrong from Clerks. Yeah, like, again, he really has, like, a great sense. And I I have since learned that he, like, music supervises his own movies. He is actually the one, like, with Clerks, that's probably kind of obvious because it was so DIY at the time. But to this day, he is the one that goes out and finds the music for his movies, which is, I don't think there's many directors that still do that level of Involvement. No, and I'm not the biggest cinephile in the world, but I know with the Clerks movie, the bulk of the production budget was blown on licensing rights for the music. Yeah. 
And that, in a way, goes to show just how important the music is for the original Clerks film. It made it a pop culture moment, and the music was real for the time, and everyone resonated with it for that reason. I feel like if it was a soundtrack of canned music, the movie might not have had the same impact. Totally, yeah. Or or even just like the wrong music, if it was if it was like a little bit too hype you know it just wouldn't have sat right and it just it just really like they really played it perfect 100 percent. Ooh, it's my turn isn't it yes sir okay so you did clerks one so i'm gonna go clerks two the song that i think of when i think of that movie is jackson 5 abc when they're all just like it's i think like rosario dawson and stuff they're just like kind of dancing around the movies and like that is the song that I think of when I think of that movie. When I think of that movie, I think of that scene. Obviously, some of the other lines and the donkey show and stuff as well. But that is the <laughs> song that plays in my head. And I know we talked about this earlier, but I think it bears repeating that Kevin Smith really knows how to choose the perfect songs for the scenes. Just like what you described, if you put any other song in there, I don't know if the scene would be as effective. So I 100% agree with that. Coming out of Jackson 5's ABC, I'm going to keep that energy, that really happy, upbeat energy. feel like I might know where you're going, but go for it. Uh, I don't know. The song is a mainstream smash, and I'm going to go back to Chasing Amy. And this song was playing during a bar scene that delivers one of my favorite lines of dialogue from the movie when Hooper says, I want you to go down to the corner store and buy yourself a clue. I'm going with the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, the impression I get. Song is absolutely iconic. It's such an important song for the third wave ska scene. I mean, between songs like The Impression I Get, Sell Out by Real Big Fish, those are the first two that come to mind when I think of songs that really exploded that third wave of ska. So to me, it's an important song for the genre, and it works so well because that was the big scene musically during Chasing Amy's release. So it really fit in perfectly with that movie. And it really gives it that 1996, 1997 feel because that was the soundtrack. So Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, the impression I get. I want you to know that I was 100% right. And that that was also on my list because obviously (laughs) the ska guy knows which side his bread is buttered on. Is that the phrase? (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, 100%. That's a very good call. It's a very good song. Yeah. Fantastic. Now I have to respond to it. So I think I'm going to go. Ooh, you know what I'm going to do after that? Let's get a little weird with it. This is also a song that broke out from a Kevin Smith movie. Zach and Miri make a porno. And I don't know if you are a fan of Kevin Smith or of that movie. You might already know which song I'm thinking of. But MC Chris, Fett's Vet. Of course. Now, okay, I've got a nerd thing going as well with my like kind of video game music-y sort of vibe. But this was such a breakout moment, I feel like, for nerdcore rap. Like, I am not an expert in the genre, but when I think about like nerdcore, I think like Weird Al is really kind of like a heavy early origin point. But he was kind of he was kind of nerdy and doing like all kinds of different stuff. The fact that he also did like Amish Paradise and like all about the Pentiums and stuff like that was kind of like 
you know, just part and parcel to what he was doing. MC Chris was the first person I could think of who lived exclusively in that realm. It wasn't just because it was funny. It was nerd oriented. And also, and I mean, Weird Al is also like incredible at rap and at everything that he tackles. But like, you know, he, he is a wonderful musician and a parody artist. MC Chris is not a parody artist. He's just somebody who is, you know, genuinely interested in nerd stuff. That's what he wants to talk about. And like, what a great song. If it's not the first breakout hit of the genre, it was definitely the one for me. And somebody else can tell me that I'm wrong on the Internet. And I would love to see what I'm missing from before that. But yeah, that song is what made Zach and Miri make a porno to me. It's a great track. I love that nerdcore scene in, in rap. I had a chance to catch MC Lars set opening up for Bowling for Soup, and he released a song at the time called This Gigantic Robot Kills. All my friends are on it. Yeah. That song, I am so upset that that song did not make my ska punk playlist with Scott Kloppenstein, because to me, that song is a defining moment for nerdcore ska. Oh, totally. It's great. It's such a good song and Suburban Legends on it, Aquabats are on it. it. It's got so many like great features and it's an awesome thing in a scene when you see somebody that's like outside of it or sort of adjacent to your scene kind of come in and be like, yo, I clearly know what's up. Like sometimes, you know, people try and do that and they end up picking the band that everybody kind of hates. Or it's like, you know, the really, really obvious, biggest top of the pops kind of thing. And it's like, okay, all right. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, uh, but yeah, that was like Lars came in and just nailed it. And the song is fun and all the references. The music video is so good. Now, if you haven't seen that music video, but that's not a Kevin Smith movie. We are we have we have gotten off the beaten path. But a little it is bit. Great I'm going to try to give us a quick right turn and get us right back on that path. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I love talking music, so I have no problem breaking off every now and then. But let's get back on track. Going yeah. from nerdcore rap, I'm going to go to a hip hop song. I'm going to follow that up because I want to stay with this upbeat vibe we're going with here. And I'm going to yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back with the song that kicks off with. Probably my favorite rap introduction of all time. Unconceivable, unbelievable, grammar like a hammer, information receivable, sent by the Lord, here and abroad, with words well adored, now they can't be ignored. Run DMC, tougher than leather, from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. As soon as I heard that song in 1988 when I had the cassette, it instantly became my favorite Run DMC song. Thankfully, in 2002, I had a chance to see Run DMC open for Aerosmith and perform that song live. So I'll always have that. Seeing it in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, that scene is awesome. This song is awesome. And it's definitely keeping that really fun, upbeat vibe for side one that we got going here. Yeah, that's a great call. I think there's also a lot of Run DMC and like stuff of that era in Cop Out, right? Mm hmm. There's a lot of that. Yeah, that's a like obviously a lot of that kind of old school hip hop vibe. That's that's really fun. I will then I'm going to counter and keep it hip hop, but I'm going to go all the way up to Clerks 3 and give a shout to Mega Ran with Tractor Beam. All right. 
So Mega Ran is like, he is the guy, I think, in the nerdcore scene at the moment that is doing the most. He is the coolest. He was one of those artists when I started playing and like people saw what I was doing. Because even though, you know, I'm I'm not doing hip hop at all, um, people were just like, are you friends with Mega Ran? You should be friends with Mega Ran. His name just kept coming up all the time. And then lo and behold, apparently Kevin Smith likes both of us, puts us both on the same soundtrack, has us both playing his cruise in February. There's like a cruise from Miami to the Bahamas. It's going to be like a Kevin Smith Comic-Con kind of thing at sea. And we're both playing. And so is Soul Asylum, actually. Nice. And Telethon, who also have a a song in Clerks 3. They're going to be on that as well. But yeah, and so we started talking... Uh, on the internet and he is a great dude and a great musician and he's got a great song in clerks three tractor beam love the track i love the fact that kevin smith has a soft spot for nerdcore and that style of hip-hop and he yeah he could include it in a movie in a way where it doesn't embrace it but the way he includes these songs in the movie show there's a genuine love for them he's not trying to be tongue-in-cheek he genuinely likes this music and that's what i love about the songs that he picks yeah and and also you know we've we've hit on before he likes a lot of sky he likes a lot of punk but then like he likes stuff that's really like uh gosh i don't know what the right word is for it but just sort of like like music that isn't worried about being it's all going to sound like an insult but i really don't mean it that way really like sort of genuine and music that's not too worried about being cool like soul asylum i don't feel like worries about if it's cool or like there's a great john gorka i'm from new jersey song also in clerks three that's like just earnest really earnest i think that's the word okay yeah that makes sense and i feel like a lot of like ska and punk and nerdcore it's my background stuff that I love, but I feel like there's a little bit of a concern about being cool, but a con- like an awareness of like, eh, yeah, we're kind of doing stuff a little bit different that these more like earnest tracks don't have. And so his taste is really all over the place. I agree. And I think that's the perfect landing spot for me to close out side A, because I'm going to go with a song that is so unique because Kevin Smith has a way about putting these soundtracks together where it can be a lot of really fun, upbeat, happy songs. And then there could be moments of real levity with big, powerful musical pieces. And Alanis Morissette in Dogma has that with the song Still. So I'm going to close out side A with that because she has such a unique vocal phrasing and delivery She's a one-of-a-kind artist, let's just be honest. You hear of Alana's song, you know who's singing. And this track is very underrated in her discography because even though it was included on her collection, Greatest Hits, most times when you mention Alanis Morissette, people immediately go to Jagged Little Pill or supposed former infatuation junkie. And the whole situation with Dogma, how the Weinstein company holds the rights to the film and Smith can't do anything with it. I feel like this one kind of gets pushed out of memory because it's so hard to find. If you find the Blu-ray of that, you're sitting on some really good money because it is not easy to find. But I just can't see a songs from Kevin Smith movies mixtape that doesn't include this song. So closing out side A, Alanis Morissette and Still. That's a great song in that movie, but also... 
I mean, it's made so much better when we find out that she's God. And I, I wonder, I mean, obviously like music comes last, you know, but I wonder if he was thinking about using an Alanis song in that movie and then was like, wait a minute, could we get her for God? Like, you know, I think at the point when you cast her, you have to obviously use one of her songs. But yeah, Dogma, I think, is my favorite Kevin Smith movie. And I do have it on DVD. Oh, uh, so that's why you're retired now. I get it. I see how <laughs> I don't think it's worth that much money. It's what is it worth? Like 20 bucks or something? Well, you know, for DVDs, that's a lot now. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. It's worth more than all the other DVDs, which is you have to pay to ship. them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that mixtapers concludes side A of our Songs from Kevin Smith Movies mixtape, which consists of Squirt Guns Social from Mallrats, Stroke Nines Kick Some Ass from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Afro Man's Because I Got High from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Alice in Chains Got Me Wrong from Clerks, Jackson 5's ABC from Clerks 2, The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones The Impression I Get from Chasing Amy, MC Chris's Fett's Vet from Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Run DMC's Tougher Than Leather from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Mega Rand's Tractor Beam from Clerks 3. And Alanis Morissette Still from Dogma. Remember to head to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Now, Chris, while you're here, I want to take a few minutes and talk to you a little bit more about Loser, the band that you describe its sound as 8-bit ska punk or something. Yeah, I grew up ska punk. I've wanted to do a ska band since I was in middle school. Everybody that's ever played music with me, I've tried to make it into a ska band and everybody's always said no, and I've never gotten to do it. So that was always going to be part of it. But I also, I use a lot of like, chiptune kind of sounds i there's a lot of nes's and game boys and just odds and ends that fits in that world it's an odd thing 
chipped. I, I maybe all music genres are like this, and I only know this about these three genres because of my closeness to them. But they all do have a little bit of a tendency to be like their chip tune. People are like, well, it's not really chip tune if it's not a hundred percent coming from Game Boy sound cards and NES and whatever. And I'm like, not really a purist on the hardware. You got your ska purists who are like, if it's not from 1960s Jamaica, it's just sparkling horn music or whatever. And like, you know, punk rockers have always tried to keep punk rock elite. So I, I, it's hard to say it's any of those things really, but it pulls from all of them and, and you know, all, all kinds of different things when I put it together. Well, I think this clip growing up from your Super Guario Kart EP, which is friggin' brilliant, I have to add. We'll give Thank listeners you. a little better idea of the kind of music we're talking about here. Now, Chris, you've also had the chance to record with other great ska punk bands and artists such as former My Weekly Mixtape guest Scott Kloppenstein, along with Aaron Barrett of Real Big Fish, Suburban Legends, We Are the Union, and The Ruffalos, which are featured on this clip, Sound the Alarm. Part of why I wanted to be in a band, I've always enjoyed that sort of like, uh, uh, you've got kind of like a gang with you. You know, when you're on tour, it doesn't matter what the person in your band has done or how drunk they are or who they pissed off. You collectively have to get everybody back in the van and get to the next show to keep things going. And so you have everybody's back. And that was that was one of the things that I why I never wanted to do a solo project because I was like more than half of my interest in this is like that community aspect of like having a band, but just, you know, between me wanting to do something really weird that nobody else wanted to do. And then also just the sort of economic realities of like bands and schedules and seats in the van or flights or whatever, like just really made doing it as a solo project make sense, but it bummed me out. So what I did, my solution to that was like, well, I've got all these friends. They should all guest on a song. So everybody comes in, they do it once. So when I'm on stage, if things are going poorly or if I'm, you know, a little road weary from doing things myself, I just kind of close my eyes and be like, oh, yeah, there's Aaron. Aaron's here. It's okay." Or like, oh, yeah, Brent is playing with me. He's he's got my back. You know, Rylan Steen, the former drummer of Real Big Fish, currently drumming for America. Yes. yes. Uh, he produces all the tracks that you've heard so far have been produced by him and he plays drums on several of them. And, you know, yeah, I used to open for Real Big Fish anyway. So it was it's just like, OK, cool. Rylan's here. Like, it's all good. Well, the Scott Punk scene to me has always felt like an honest to God community. And it feels like the majority of ska punk bands, even here in New Jersey, but I'm sure out on the other side of the country where you are, genuinely go out of their way to support other bands in the community, which on a musical level is extremely refreshing to see happening. 
So much so. I mean, that's really why I'm here. I mean, I love the music too. I love the music. I love the bands. Uh, and yeah, you guys have a lot of great bands out on the on the East Coast as well. Like, like all over the world, we've we've got a few of these bands in a, any given town. And yeah, it's the community that really holds us together. And the bands that don't do that get pretty quickly shunned. If you can't have other people's back, you know, give them a, a couch to crash on when they come through or a floor. It's a ska band. There's too many people. You don't have couches <laughs> for everybody. That's just like, in, unless you're a Rockefeller, you know, that's not going to happen. Or you own a copy of Dogma on DVD. Or I you mean. own a copy of Dogma. Exactly. <laughs> See, the, you know, we're talking big bucks here. And, and and punk rock is also really good at that. Not quite as good as ska, just because I think it's a little bit bigger and so there's a a little less like like in in if you're in ska bands or you know ska bands, it is not six degrees with Kevin Bacon here. It's like if you don't know somebody, you're only one or two links away from them. Yeah, and whenever I've tried to engage with communities that were outside of like ska and punk, I just that whole me first sort of thing has been so disheartening and so the antithesis of like what doing music is supposed to be about to me. It's such a community thing. Like if we're not doing that, what are we doing? And that is so refreshing to hear. And I just want to point out to my punk fans listening, you were talking literally me first, not me first in the gimme gimme's. Right. No, not me first in the gimme gimme's. No. Well, and I mean, but there's an example though. Like, I mean, I do a bunch of videos for no effects and stuff. And Mike has been an ardent supporter of mine and, and of loser as a project. And I have, slept at his place in and he's in vegas now but he's he's made his home available to me many times when i've needed it fat mike's a good dude yeah i mean he's plays in me first in the gimme gimme's but you know he's he's uh he's he's a giver yeah i mean he he's done so much especially through fat wreck i mean so many bands that i grew up with were because i discovered them through fat wreck comps and everything else so love what he's done for the punk scene Totally. He's gotten ear for good bands. Now, I am going to jump on that, though. Yeah, yeah, go. Because you were talking about music videos. So, like I mentioned yes. at the top of the show, you've directed music videos for No Effects, Real Big Fish, Goldfinger, The Bomb Pops, Suburban Legends, Scott Kloppenstein, Frank Turner. It's not like you're just reaching out to these bands and saying, hey, guys, I want to direct your next music video. How, as an artist, do you forge these connections to build up such an amazing resume of content. You know, honestly, I've been really lucky. It started out just like I wanted to be a filmmaker. I was I was trying to make movies and TV and stuff, and that shit's expensive and hard <laughs> to do. So I, I kind of didn't really do it. And I found myself playing music because the cool thing about playing music, if you really like it and you're and you're not in it to be cool or something, is that I feel like there's a lot of other art forms where unless you really have the money and the access, you can't do it. Like you can't be like, oh, I want to make a big action movie. Okay, so like how do I afford to blow up the plane that's on page 45? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like of like course. there's just there's a lot of stuff that you just can't do without money and access. But what's cool is that as a musician, whether you are playing the local dive bar on the mother's day afternoon matinee show to the bartender or you're playing the forum to seventy thousand people you are doing the same thing you are playing your songs on stage in front of people and there's really not 
any rules like, yeah, okay, maybe you can't afford the Taylor Swift LED stage with the risers and stuff like that. But like you can buy an inflatable wacky waiver guy or like whatever you see your show as being, you can do it. You can do it. And so I, I kind of started doing that just because like, well, I want to actually do stuff. And, and as I was doing that, I realized like it was kind of in that era, like late 2000s, uh, pre-2010 when music videos were pretty dead, like MTV had stopped existing. And I really feel like the first wave of music videos, although some people were good at it and stuff and some bands probably liked it, it really, for a lot of bands, it was like, hey man, we're musicians. Music videos are just like this corporate advertising tool they make us do. Like, you know, I feel like bands kind of generally are like, fuck a music video, you know? Um, uh, but you had to do it. You had to do it because there was MTV. And so, but that had died and it was no longer important that way. But YouTube hadn't risen up. We hadn't done the like, okay, go and stuff like that with the viral videos. It hadn't become like, hey, this is super important, very democratic and everybody needs to do it. So it was kind of in that era. And I was like, well, we could do some like music videos. And I first started working with Suburban Legends. I had auditioned to play trumpet for them. and they found a much better trumpet player, but my demo tape was better than anybody else's because I used the opportunity to kind of introduce myself and make some stuff kind of fun. So we ended up doing some music videos and then other people around the scene saw it and just other bands. I was playing the local bar and DIY spot circuit. Like we started just doing stuff. And one of those bands was the bomb pops. And so they ended up getting on fat wreck. Jen was working with, Fat Mike helping him with some projects. And she was like, well, you just need Chris Grau to come over here and do stuff. And so really everything's been entirely word of mouth. I've made things and because of the way Scon Punk works, it's just everybody's like, well, you you got to work with him. And it's spread around enough that I get to fly around the world making videos for these different bands now. So it's awesome. And I'm glad you brought up OK Go because I was going to chime in and say if MTV died, OK Go is what brought it to the internet because their videos are inspiring. I literally, when we have friends over, sometimes we'll just go down an OK Go rabbit hole if they've never seen the videos before because I love seeing people's initial reactions to some of the concepts. And to me, that is art kind of in 4D because you've got these great songs that are complemented by this visual assault of what some of the concepts are in this. And that to me is what makes a great song greater. Yeah. Well, and OK Go are like such the masters of it. And they do. I mean, gosh, yeah, those videos are amazing. But I still have to say. Not the greatest music video of all time. That title belongs to DJ Snake and Lil Jon Turned Down for What? Directed by the Daniels. They did that Turn Down for What video. Which is. My favorite music video of all time. As a child of the 80s, Michael Jackson's Thriller always holds a... I mean, I had more nightmares with that thing, but it was so well done and so creative at the time when there was normally very little in terms of special effects in these videos because they were not meant to be these massive productions. So, Chris, being a seasoned music video director like you are... If there is an aspiring music video director listening to this episode right now, what advice would you give them if they're looking to make a name for themselves? I mean, the thing first and foremost is make the video. Like you have a cell phone in your pocket, 
I've done stuff on nice cameras. I've done stuff on super mid-range cameras. I have done real billable music videos for big bands that got coverage in big publications on my cell phone. You have it. You can do it. Go make it. I think the number one tip is make the video. A lot of people talk about doing it and they don't do it. I'm seeing increasingly more bands are doing it DIY now because they have to. And I love to see that. I would say the second tip is think about shots and pace of cutting. I do see a lot of music videos when the band DIYs it or somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing. You see a lot of shots where it's like, okay, so everybody walks in the restaurant and then they sit down and then they talk for a little bit and he hands them the cup and they do that all in one wide master shot. And it's like a 25 second shot and your entire song is only two minutes and 45 seconds. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Film a wide of them walking in, do a close up of them going eh, eh, like that. No dialogue. If it's not, if you're not going to put the words on the screen, if it's not the words from the thing, they're just moving their mouths and nobody knows what they're saying. You can get a quick like what or like a reaction kind of a thing. But if they're saying, how was the weather? Nobody got it. <laughs> Everybody missed it. Just don't do it. It's a pantomime. Music videos are a pantomime. Do that. Break it up into lots of shots get all the coverage so you can go cut, 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 cut. It takes more time, but I swear it's worth it. All right. Well, moving on to side B, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone because I'm going to start by playing a clip of a song, which I normally can't do, but because you're the guest, I'm going to do that. And the song is No Hope, Loser featuring Scott Kloppenstein and Aaron Barrett from Real Big Fish. Falling apart. no surprise that I already like this song because I talked about it with Scott on the Ultimate Ska Punk episode and I love the fact that it was in Clerks 3. This song is so perfect in the movie. I love the fact that Ska Punk is alive and well in the 2020s and carrying the torch for it is this new group of up-and-coming Ska bands that I think is this the fourth wave? Would you consider that? Maybe it is, but I absolutely love this track and I'm not just saying it because you're on the show, but <laughs> I'm you. going to kick things off on side B with No Hope by you. And I guess my immediate question for this song is, how did it end up in Clerks 3? Yeah, so Kevin Smith tweeted about looking for some song. I cannot remember if he said that it was for Clerks 3 because I feel like I was unaware that that was going on at the time. But he said he was looking for some music for something and to tweet him links. And it turned up in my feed because like there is an instinct that I have. And this is not a good instinct, but I feel like probably a lot of people have it where it's like, oh, I don't want to look desperate. I think if I just seen it in a vacuum, I'd be like, oh, I'm sure a bunch of people are doing that. I don't want to look like I'm try hard or whatever. Like, I'm not going to tweet at that. 
But it showed up in my feed because like three of my friends had replied to it. And so I was like, well, you can't be lame if all your friends are already lame. Like, all right, cool, let's do it. And I, <laughs> I sent it in, I tweeted it. And then a couple of days later, he liked that tweet. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, but I was like, okay, maybe that's just his way of marking off the ones he's looked at. He's like, oh, if I've already liked it, that means I've clicked the link or, you know, whatever. I was, I was thinking of all the ways that I would, because there was a ton of replies. There were like hundreds of people that replied to this. At, at least it felt like. And yeah, and so then I didn't really think too much of it. And then like a week later, I was like on my way to a show and I was like halfway out the door and I got an email that was like, hi, this is a release for Clerks 3. We're going to need your song, No Hope. Uh, and I was like, what? <laughs> they found me. They filled in all the BMI information, whatever they like. So it happened really fast. And I was still like, this probably isn't going to happen. They probably just explore in this. We'll see. I'll believe it when I get a check. And then like a week later, I had a check. And so I was like, all right, like this is very real. Uh, wow. So yeah, really cool. But yeah, Kevin just kind of put the word into the universe. He was looking in for stuff and found it. And then, yeah, also like, like I said, Mega Ran and Telethon and like several things of my friends, but it was cool. Like Telethon is, I do not know those guys yet. We will be playing the cruise together, but they are very much so in my orbit. We have a lot of mutual friends and stuff. So it was cool to see like our little scene getting some attention. And like the fact that Clerks musically was a snapshot of the year it came out, Clerks 3 does the same now. If you listen to the soundtrack from start to finish. Oh, it totally does. And there's and there's other such cool things on that. I mean, you already talked about, you know, Black Parade being the opening of that movie, which is so fun. It feels so like Oh, first of all, what a great song. What a great record. But also like what a great opening to a movie. I mean, neither here nor there. But when I think My Chemical Romance, I think about that movie trailer music video they did for I'm Not OK. Mm -hmm. That band has such a cinematic sort of thing to them. So that's that was really cool. And then, you know, yeah, lit My Own Worst Enemy is in this one as well, which is another throwback. And another former My Weekly Mixtape guest in the form of Kevin Baldus. Yeah, just a lot of cool new music it's cool to see that he's not stuck in the past with his music choices that he's still out there efficient for new stuff and i I met him once he uh, I, I went to one of his podcast tapings and and afterwards we chatted for a little bit and he was like oh yeah and like he started like singing my song at me he's like oh yeah it's in this part and they're in they're in this suv and then blah 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 and then and he started like singing he's like we get the whole song in there and he's like oh and then like you know that other song and he starts singing like a different song of mine to me. And I'm like, wait a second. That one's not in the movie, is it? And he goes, no, I just listened to it. <laughs> He's truly a fan of music. He would go out on his walks and and listen to my EP among like many other things. So he's, he's, he's just a big fan of music. It's fantastic. So now you have the tough choice of following up your own song. So how do you do that? I do. So I think I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to bring it back to dogma again. No, wait a minute. Wait, this is funnier. This is funnier just for the title. I don't think it's the right vibe, but it's just for the title. Um, I'm going to go to Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Mob rich loser. Oh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> I mean, obviously the loser connection is there, but no, it's a, it's a great song. Like what a really fun song. 
Good pick, and I'm glad to see that Reboot has finally been included in this conversation. I know that movie has a little bit of push and pull from different fans of the Viewers universe, but I'm glad that we're representing it tonight. And that, man, that leaves me in a tough spot, because I'm not quite sure how to follow that up. We got Loser and Loser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and the song I want to pick is literally the antithesis to that, because it's a song about... When Weezer was dealing with people who they felt were losers at the label they were at, they met a wonderful A&R rep named Suzanne who changed their lives for the better. And the band wrote a song for her, which was originally recorded and released as the B-side to Undone the Sweater Song. For Mallrats, Weezer remixed Suzanne with a brand new vocal track and some additional keyboards, which the version on Mallrats is now deemed the official version of the song. However, any Weezer fans out there, you can go back and listen to the original B-side because there's a rawness to it that is amazing and shouldn't be overlooked. Thematically, it doesn't make sense. But then again, not all Kevin Smith soundtracks go from one theme to another. They, they kind of are all over the place. So following up Mob Rich's Loser, I am going to go with Weezer's Suzanne from Mallrats. Love Weezer. Can't go wrong with that. Okay, so I'm actually going to take a spin right off of that and go with another shout out to a friend of mine. Mallrats also has a song. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the sweater song opens up with that whole like scene at a party. You know, oh, life's so rad, so rad. They are doing a bit there. They are making fun of somebody known as Joe Sib. He owned a record label called Side One Dummy. He did Complete Control Radio here in L.A. for a while. He's a stand-up comedian now. I've worked with him a little bit. But a fun fact about him is that he is the guy that they're making fun of in that. And he was in a band called Wax, who has a song in Mallrats called Mallrats. Going with the title track, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I love it. Wax was so underrated. I had a compilation in the 90s called Saturday Morning Cartoons Greatest Hits, and Wax did the amazing cover of Ren and Stimpy's Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy at the end of the album. And I absolutely love that song. I, I The Mallrat soundtrack, like I said, it's got that punky indie spirit to it. And mm, I'm going to flip it on its ear again. Okay. Because there's a band that we've talked about tonight a couple of times. You've talked about it with the upcoming cruise. And they're a band that's been featured twice on Kevin Smith soundtrack. So I'm going to remove them entirely by picking one of those two songs. The first one was from Clerks 1. But I am going to go with the closing song from Clerks 2 because it's my favorite Soul Asylum song. And I'm going to go with Misery because the scene at the end of the movie where Clerks 2 fades from color to black and white with that song playing is so poignant and so full circle to the original that it was a perfect ending to a movie. And that song is the perfect movie closer. And as much as I love Can't Even Tell from Clerks 1, Misery just hits different. So I'm following up. Musically, it might not make sense, but Wax's Mall Rats with Soul Asylum's Misery. I, now, I feel like you did that because you were concerned I was going to steal Soul Asylum for you. Like, I know you wanted to save that as your closer for the whole 
playlist, but you were like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna do it. But well done. Well done. Kudos. Was I right? No, actually, you know, I even though I'm about to play a show with them, I I did not put them on my list. No good reason, just too much good music. Uh, and I also I felt like you were gonna pick them, so I felt pretty safe. Good move, good move. You were correct to judge that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I'm gonna so just bring it back up to because like that, you're right. That song is is fitting and kind of moving and stuff. So I'm going to bring it back totally a different way. And there is the song that I think about when I think about Dogma. And this could just be the age I was when I first saw it, thinking about Selma Hayek's stripper scene. But I think about New Edition's Candy Girl with that movie. That to me is as strong association for a song with Dogma. You aren't kidding when you said you were taking that a totally different way. <laughs> it's a total 180. Oh, total 180. And that gives me a change to where I'm going to go after it. However, staying on Candy Girl, one of the most memorable musical moments in Dogma, I would say. Totally. No, really. It's okay. <laughs> and not just because I was going through puberty as I saw that. Probably <laughs> that exact all. scene. But... <laughs> Definitely memorable, and I think I know what I'm going to follow it up with, because I'm going to stay in the same vibe here. Okay. And I am going to go to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and honestly, there's not much that needs to be said about this classic jam, because we're going with Mars Day and the Mother Effin' Time Jungle Love from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, originally released on 1984's Ice Cream Castle and featured in Purple Rain. I don't know. It's in Purple Rain, but the version of Jay and Silent Bob is up there as a movie moment to me. Now, although the album states the song was written by Morris Day and Jesse Johnson, it was actually written by Prince with an assist from Day. Let's face it, anything Prince touches is pretty much gold, as this song obviously proves. And shockingly enough, Jungle Love is not Morris Day and the Times' biggest hit, as Jerk Out charted higher but let's be honest jungle love is morris day and the mother effing time as far as i'm concerned good call good call man Ooh, i'm putting a tight spot now how many how many do we have left you have two picks and i only have one all right if i've got two picks left i can't do another mc chris because drinking blunts from jay and silent bob reboot is is great okay all right you know what I'm going to do? This is a song that's actually in two Kevin Smith movies. And we haven't done My Chemical Romance. So I think it's even then, I think it wouldn't technically because it is just Gerard Way by himself. But in Tusk first and then again used in Clerks 3, The Water is Wide. Another downtempo sad ballad maybe would have gone better to follow up Soul Asylum. But I think it made the list to me because... It was used twice. And also, we didn't get a Tusk reference in this yet. So I feel like we got to put something from Tusk. One of the, like, you know, we didn't do Yoga Hosers. We haven't done Red State. We've stayed away from, like, the stranger Kevin Smith movies. And I I feel like we got to represent them. That we have. And when I think of stranger movies, Tusk is up there. But not in a bad way. I like the strange. It's it's very, there's a camp to it that I mean in a truly loving way. Yeah, it's a great thing. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And it's a really good song. And I appreciate you're doing that 
because I get to now go out with my closing song that is to me, again, I talk about these big and powerful moments and I'm going to go back to clerks three, one more time. And to me, I love this song with such a passion and I will not spoil anything because if people out there haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin the moment. But to me, this song is used during a very emotional part of the movie. And look, anything's better than New Jersey. Skip amongst the telephone lines. Anything's better than New Jersey. Living along the turnpike. Based here in New Jersey, I got to tip my hat with some love to Boston-based punk band Rebuilder and Le Grand Fromage. Such a powerful, heavy punk tune. So much emotion. And I think it's a perfect way for me to close my portion of the playlist tonight. That is an extremely good call. That is another song that really stands out in that movie. I mean, yeah, because of where it's used, because of the message of it and stuff, it's like, and then as a counterpoint, I mean, obviously Kevin Smith being from New Jersey, he's got a lot of New Jersey songs and they're usually positive, but yeah, what a great song that just sums up that feeling. It's it's so good. And I appreciate your staying spoiler free too. We do our best. It's it's hard, right? Especially if anyone that has seen the movie and knows this song knows exactly how we're dancing around this right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's up to me to close out the record, huh? Yes, sir. I'm down to two, and I think I know which one I'm gonna pick. I will give a shout out to the song that I'm not picking, which is from Cop Out, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Love it. Uh, Again, it's a great song. It's probably what I think of when I think of a song from Cop Out, but it's, you know, obviously a song that was a huge, massive hit a long time before that movie came out. So that's, I think I can't in good conscience use it, especially as a closer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close out. I'm going to go all the way back to Clerks, going to bookend it with the beginning. I'm going to do Bad Religion Leaders and Followers. Nice. Legendary punk band right there totally bad religion is just like an incredible band has been an incredible band for a long time they've worked with and helped everybody do cool stuff in the scene i mean yeah like they made epitaph the record label and bad religion was definitely like on the radar when clerks came out but on the underground radar like what a cool find for that movie what a cool piece that's definitely, it fits the thing of like Kevin Smith finding a song that's interesting and helping add some, not credit, not that bad religion needs credibility, but like reassurance from a different media. Right. And the same year that Clerks came out, Bad Religion released, which I feel it's my personal favorite, their seminal Stranger Than Fiction. Stranger Than Fiction is a friggin' punk masterpiece to bring it a little bit out of what Recipe for Hate was doing. And a little bit more, I don't want to say mainstream because Bad Religion never was mainstream. They always stayed in their lane, but there was just a production quality to it that just made it more sonically dynamic overall. Uh, Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like that band has always been really strongly about its harmonies and stuff too. Like they're, they're no stranger to being musically intelligent. In fact, that's the band that Fat Mike cites as being like what made him think, okay, I need to make no effects better between them and RKL rich kids on LSD. 
you know, he he was like, oh, maybe you can do punk and be smart and musical and and talented. And yeah, so they've they've always had that. But it, it was cool to see, like, as it was catching on that they could get access to, like, yeah, better gear, better producers. And I mean, better is such a, a, a difficult word. But yeah, people a little more like in tune with refinement as opposed to rawness, which was such a hallmark of more of the 80s punk stuff. I think a lot of those bands have done great stuff with good producers. Right, and after Stranger Than Fiction, Bad Religion teamed up with Rick Ocasek from The Cars to do the Grey Race. Uh, yeah, I, I am, I'm not one of those like DIY or die kind of people. As, like DIY because that's you got to do it, but if you have access to great artists who can do cool stuff, make your cool stuff better, totally. Oh, I mean, I think about talking mall rats again, you have all, which is coming from the ashes of the descendants. And then you bring on Chad Price of Drag the River on vocals and you have this melodic punk that when they produced it with a little bit more of a slick sound like they did on Breaking Things and Pummel and you compare that to Descendants albums, it's really a night and day difference, but both have their place in the world of punk music. Totally. I love all. I mean, like, and and my favorite Descendants stuff is a lot of their later stuff, too. I mean, like, I'm the one is such a good song and i was like yeah that was after all when they got milo back yeah those guys are incredible bill stevenson is legend absolutely chef's kiss yeah well there you have it folks side b of our songs from kevin smith movies playlist which kicked off with loser featuring scott kloppenstein and aaron barrett of real big fish no hope from clerks three mob rich loser from jay and silent bob's reboot weezer's suzanne from mall rats Wax's Mallrats from Mallrats, Soul Asylum's Misery from Clerks 2, New Edition's Candy Girl from Dogma, Morris Day in the Times' Jungle Love from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Gerard Way's The World is Wide from Tusk and Clerks 3, Rebuilder's Le Grand Fromage from Clerks 3, and Bad Religion, Leaders and Followers from Clerks. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Now, Chris, anything coming up for you in the loser camp that listeners can look forward to? New tours, new music? Yeah, I'm working on new stuff. I know I'm playing that cruise. I know that I'm playing. I know that I can say that I'm playing uh, Scon P Fest in Modesto in October. There's another show right before that that I don't know if I can talk about yet, uh, but I'm pretty sure is happening. I would say that your best bet is look me up. I'm on all the social medias you might be on as Chris Grau. It's just my name. And look on Spotify. I'm there as loser. There's a U in it. You can, I'm sure you're on the internet. You can see spelling. You know how to do this. It's not your first day. Um <laughs> But yeah, if you like stream, follow, like, subscribe, whatever on any of those various things that you enjoy engaging in, you will be kept abreast. There's an email list. However you got to do this, however you're keeping up, baby, I'll be there. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on tonight. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining me on My Weekly Mixtape. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Remember to head to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear the full catalog of My Weekly Mixtape episodes. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, you can help me out by either telling a friend, leaving the show a five-star review wherever you're tuning in, or becoming a Patreon mixtaper at Patreon.com forward slash 
my weekly mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, enjoy the tunes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.